My guest on this episode of the podcast is talented Nigerian music producer and songwriter, Suzo Pro. Suzo Pro has worked with music acts such as Aramide, Omaomi, Waje, Yemi Alade, and Sardauda, to name a few. Now, despite his busy schedule, he took some time out to talk with me over the phone about his musical journey. I always try to uh, put this out there. The year I was born was the year my dad um, put out his only album. So I guess I guess I was born to do this. So I grew up actually listening to my dad's music. The creative process behind some of his works. I had to beg to produce that song. Omami mommy is actually not just Omami. I'm, I'm fortunate to work with artists that are very strategic. And navigating the growing discourse around music publishing in Nigeria. If I start to tell you records that I've made, that I've been part of, that I've worked on, that number one, I didn't get a single dime for talk more of uh, royalties and um, getting your publishing right. You will also hear about how his thoughts on songwriting have changed over time and which superhero he most identifies with. I am your host, Falashade Anozie. Well, you know, for people who may not know, you are a music producer and songwriter. Yes, I am. Now, can you take us through your background, how you got into music production and songwriting? And before you even jump in, which interest came first, music production or songwriting? Well, I kind of see them as um, as the same. Okay. However, I'm not a natural songwriter. So I'd actually started producing music before I forced myself to learn how to write. So I wouldn't say one passion came before the other, but then in terms of what I started doing first, I started producing first. Then um, probably two or three years later, I got more into the songwriting part of it. Okay. Which parent is the music person in your family, your mom or dad? My dad, obviously. <laughs> well, I'm saying obviously for people who know me. So I always try to uh, put this out there. The year I was born was the year my dad um, put out his only album. Wow. So I guess I guess I was born to do this. So I grew up actually listening to my dad's music. Um, and then um, a lot of the music that he used to play back in the day you know he still plays them now from um keith green to um stephen curtis chapman to um then maybe as i grew older ron kenali don moore and bob fitz and all was basically maybe 99 percent gospel music except um what's his name again i can't believe i just forgot his name I remember... Not Kirk Franklin. Not Kirk Franklin. No, he's not really gospel like that. Um, when I remember, I'll let you know. But then that's that's kind of what um what, what my life musically was. And then my dad um plays the guitar. And then um, he used to have a band back in the day. So they had a lot of rehearsals in the house. So I grew up with a lot of music around me. That kind of is how my life went. And then I got into high school. Baptist High School Joss. Shout out to Baptist High School Joss. I have to name Job here. Baptist High School Joss has given you Shifi from Style Plus. Wow. E. Kelly, M.I., Jesse Jags, Arami Day. Um, and yes, yeah, Sizzle Pro. <laughs> this is really awesome. So you had all this background and all these different things, right? Yeah. Now, how did you now know that you wanted to take music professionally? Did you talk to your dad about it? Well, um... Ironically, one would think that coming from a, a music home, um, the transition into doing music professionally should be easy, but it really wasn't because um, 
early on in um, in high school when I actually started to produce and we used to make records in our, in, in our high school. But then um, it kind of, or rather my grades were very um, inconsistent and my parents felt it was it was the whole music thing that was weighing on my grades. They didn't know that I'm just an unserious person really, but that's by the way. So um, they were a little um, apprehensive about me doing music. And then graduating from high school, uh, the music didn't really start to pay on time. So it was like, all this work you're doing, so many hours in the studio, where is the money? The small money you get, you're climbing bike from Bukuru to uh, Naraguta. And it really was a little bit of a struggle. But then um, I think at this point, it's not as bad as it used to be. So they're kind of more like, okay, okay, maybe you can make a living out of this, but they're not all the way there yet, but they're good day, all right. <laughs> last, last, they're good day, all right, for sure. They're good day, all right. So you were in Joss, um, and then you now finished high school. Yes. Then you went into university, right? Yes, I did. Okay. So during that time, what were you thinking? Were you thinking of how you could produce for people? What was running through your head at this particular point in time? Okay, at, at that point, you know, after finishing high school in um, 2006, Seven, I actually started to go to school in um, ATB Bauchi and um, I'd already started to work with people, you know, in, in Jaws and then some people in Abuja, some people in, in um, Bauchi. So at that point, my mind was pretty much made up that I was going to do this professionally. But then I'd you know the few people that I would get clients that I get to work with. And then I've had uh, a bunch of artists I've been working with since um, 2000 and seven um, we started a label called um, canary entertainment so we have we have like five artists we've been working with from the, uh, since that time and there's uh joe Wiz, which is now called uh he changed his name to danladi okay i've heard that name yeah and then there's jo and there's sane and then there's kanisma and then there's damien so um these guys for the most part made up the core of um the music i was making then you know then you know, we just felt like, ah, just one song and we'll blow. But then in hindsight, a lot of the music that we made back then was just a training ground for this time where I'm beginning to feel like we're really ready to have a real go at this. So, you know, from that time till now, that's basically what I was doing. But then after high school, I pretty much was ready to do this. Okay. When you moved to Lagos, you were looking to work with more established artists. First time I was in Lagos for work was um, 2010. Um, somebody I had known from Bauchi when I was in ATBU had called me up uh, to work on someone's project. So um, when I was in Lagos to work on that project, E. Kelly had moved to Lagos and E. Kelly basically taught most of us to produce. He's our godfather, or our father, really. So um, I took the opportunity to um, link up with Kelly. And um, when I did, one of the days I was with Kelly, he was working with um, Waje. And then immediately I heard her sing. I was like, this is the girl from Doomy. This is the girl from Doomy. I was so excited because I kind of had the bucket list of artists I wanted to work with, and she was on that list. So um, I asked her, why weren't you in the video of do me and well, a long conversation ensued from that point. But then I, I really was um, struck by her. So we just talked. I was, I was hoping to work with her that year, but it didn't work out. Uh, fast forward to 2011, I was back in Lagos for some work. She was still working with Ikeli at the time, so I wrote a song for her, produced, wrote, and gave it to Ikeli and asked him to submit to her. 
she recorded the song, but well, the song never never got out. But same year, 2011, that was when I finally got in the studio with Arami D. Um, she had just uh, finished school, and I think she was serving at the time, but she was rounding up service, one of the two, I can't remember. But then that was when we started making music. We kept doing that consistently. Fast forward to late 2011, um, LD just started Tribe 2.0 at the time. So he had put out a notice for artists to send in their music that they were looking for people to sign. And then Amide hits me up like, should I send my music? Because Amide's music is alternative. And then she's like, knowing LD, do you think this is the kind of music they're looking for? Blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, it doesn't hurt to try, right? So she sent uh, she sent her music to Tribe Records. And then to our surprise, they got back to her and she signed. We started to work towards the end of 2011 into 2012. And then in 2012, I met Omaomi. Omaomi, uh, I think LD was supposed to exec produce an album for her, something like that. And he recommended that she works with me. When we finally met up, our first ever session was um, Omaomi Stay Alive, Jejelai. That was it. Which was off her Lasso of Truth 2013 album. Yes. When she did that, you know, my mom is very good friends with Waje. And then Waje heard the music and she's like, oh, I'd like to work with this guy. And she's like, cool. So I meet Waje and I'm like, I know you don't remember me. Then I remind her and she's like, oh. And then um, 2012 ends up leading to me producing five songs on, on Mommy's album and three songs on Waje's album that drops 2013. 2013. That's when I decided to leave and go to school in the Philippines. So a lot of 2013-14 was a little quiet. I was still working with my guys, you know, Canary Entertainment, still making music and, and building. Then um, 2015, you know, things started to pick up again. RMD's album went out 2016. Most of that work was done 2015. And then we started to work on Waja's second album that was still waiting for to drop. Why'd you drop that album? We're tired. <laughs> and for those who do not know, of um, Omaomi's 2013 album, Scissor produced, like he said, Stay Alive. He did Life Goes On. He did When the Bus Is Coming, which was at the... I, I had to beg to produce that song. I had to beg. Why did you have to beg? She already... Um, Omaomi's actually... Not just Omaomi. I'm, I'm fortunate to work with artists that are very strategic. So she already knew who she wanted to produce the song. So she was planning, you know, her schedule and all that. And I heard this song. I was like, no, I have to produce this, please. At first, she didn't She didn't um, agree. Then one day, randomly, when I didn't expect it, she just said, okay, let's try. And when, when I put hands to it, she really liked it. And that's the version we now hear today. Yeah. Of um, Arami Day's album, you produced I Don't Care. And Fumilo. Yes, I did. So can you talk to us about the process of, like, the, mo- the more recent one for Aramide, like, you produced Jawa, I don't care. Especially for Jawa and Fumilo, people really like like those songs. Okay, Um. funny enough, the processes for both songs are very distinct, very different. Um. For Fumilo, Fumilo was kind of an instant, uh, would I say instant hit now? In terms of how it got to me, so she um she played me um the pre-chorus and then the chorus. I was like, ah, this is a hit, this is a hit, and it really came together fast. And then we called in our guy Sardauda. Um, ah, Sardauda is one person that I've been working with that I didn't mention. 
But hey. No, it's fine. We're going to get to him as well because you produced his um song, Streets is Gold. Yes, I did. Which I totally love. Yeah, so we'll get to that later. Okay. Um. So um, we called him up and then he came, helped us write the song. And it, it really got put together very quickly. It's one of those songs that from inception to completion, like it, it just came out real quick like that. Jawa, on the other hand, was a very long and for lack of a better way to put it, it was a little stressful because of the type of song we wanted to write. You know, Armide is a is a very, let me say, deep writer. And um, recently we've been trying to transition to writing a little bit more lighthearted songs with very easy to understand lyrics and melodies. So um, when we started to write Jawa, we of of course we got the the music first. No, actually she had sent me um a voice note of the song and the song was like super super alternative. And then when we we set out to produce it, she was like, ah, let's let's kind of bring this home a little bit. So we changed up the music and then now started to play with the lyrics and the melodies. And it took us probably two weeks or three weeks to write. Yeah, because not that this the ideas we're getting weren't good enough. They just they're a bit too serious and then uh she would come up with something and i'm like ah that's too deep i'd come up with something she's like that's too deep but then eventually as we started to get towards the end of of the song you know we got the hook first we're like oh thank god we have something now so when we started to um get the verses we started to get excited we're like okay we really can do this uh light-hearted music and it came out really nice and you kind of touched on something about, especially for, I speak to a couple of songwriters and a lot of them, I always ask, do you struggle with the Nigerian market whereby it feels like sometimes you have to, quote unquote, dumb down your lyrics for the average person? Because mm-hmm. like you said, here you are working on a song and you're saying that it's too deep. Deep is also relative. Yes. But as a songwriter, how, how do you manage and deal with that frustration? If you could talk about that. Definitely. First of all, at this point, is it's not really... A frustration for me because I've come into a new understanding. A lot of us that came from that, that started music from very foreign, from foreign music to like super intricate production. What we started to do is that we felt like for music to be good, we had to make music like the music we liked to listen to. But then, um, recently it just occurred to me that a lot of us are two different people. Where one person um in real life and then when we start to make our music we're another person and that disconnect really is is why a lot of songwriters feel that oh they have to dumb down to cross over to the other side but then i realized that the way to defeat that is to write music how you think a lot of us um producers songwriters singers we do not think the way we write songs all those super super poetic lines with intricate rhyme schemes which really that's very good but a lot of us think in pidgin english a lot of us think in our languages and i feel the best way to write music that resonates with people especially people who have the same um, background as you is just to write music the way you think you know and that's one of the reasons why um, people will tell you you have to dumb down but that is not dumbing down that really is just you because a lot of the songs that we look down on or we tend to say are not, uh, don't have superb songwriting, it's really just how a lot of us talk every day. It's, it's how we converse with our friends on the road. 
you don't go speaking good English to the conductor in the bus, not do you? you don't. So um, I believe that um, there's a little bit of a misconception when people say we should dumb down. I think a better way to think about it is let's write music how we think. It doesn't have to be pigeon. It doesn't have to be stupid. It just has to be relatable. It's just quite funny that a lot of these stupid stuff are relatable. So, you know, you don't have to sell your soul. I don't believe Aramide or Waje have sold their souls. You know, the music that they put out, they really, really believe what they say in those songs. And uh, I believe you can find that middle ground where you don't have to sacrifice your integrity as a songwriter and still be relatable to the listener. And I agree with that. I think that I, I think maybe on my objective side, you know, the so-called foreign music that we say is intricate, you know, it's very deep. A lot of times those songs also still work in Nigeria. They still achieve success. Exactly. Yeah, I think the reason for that is because um, the idea is that the foreign person doing foreign music is more original than the local person doing foreign music. It really doesn't make sense. It really doesn't make sense. However, I think think that is the way people think you understand and and i kind of understand why people think like that because if i could use an, an, an analogy would you prefer to eat pizza made by an italian or pizza made by a nigerian i don't, I don't eat pizza generally so uh, i can't eat, but i get your point yeah obviously someone who's italian because that's where it came from exactly so there's the illusion that it is um more original now them get them but then the truth is it's not always that way but i understand why people think like that i remember um, a family friend of mine had spent a lot of years in the uk without coming back and then a few years ago came back and then ate shawarma in joss and it blew his mind he's like bruv there's a whole street in london it's all arabs but the shawarma is not as good as this i'm like okay so there's a way that we can take stuff from outside and make it better but then i still understand how people would say this is not the original because you don't fit the description of the originators of of that stuff so i, I feel like i hope um our artists and then in the next few years we can be able to break these boundaries and then you know somehow teach our people that music is universal if you like something you like it you don't really need to block something out just because it, it doesn't come in the way you want it to come but i guess that would be a long journey so so help us god hopefully we begin that journey in 2018 <laughs> i've been trying you know to be honest i've i've tried to balance myself out you know my biggest uh, drive is to be as versatile as possible so um as much as i want to make banging afro pop records we're still going to make those R&B songs. We're still going to make those house songs, those EDM songs, those rock songs. And I'm making a lot of rock stuff. And then we'll also, you know, make hybrids. You know, it's through hybrids that we kind of, uh, it's through hybrids we're able to kind of ease people into these styles of music that they may not be used to listening to. So I hope um, we've been doing that. We've been creating the music. So hopefully from this year, more of that music will go up. Okay. Another artist that you've also worked with before we get to Sir Dada is Yemi Alade. On her debut album, you produced um, her song called Duro Timi, right? Yes. I produced and co-wrote that. Okay. So what was it like working with her? Well, it was cool. You know, Yemi, she's a really cool person. So um, I used to be at Ikele's house at the time. And then she'd come around and then work with us, a whole bunch of producers at the house that time. So she just did stuff with a lot of us. But one particular thing about her was she was super, super energetic and always ready to work, you know. She's a hustler, basically, you know, and that energy kind of uh, 
it's contagious really you can't be in in your miss presence and just be dull like that so uh, we made more than that song but that was the only song that I eventually got on the album so Taye call me so we can make some more music <laughs> yeah that'll be great now let's go on to Sadauda okay um you produced his most recent record late last year he released it's called Streets Streets is Gold so can you talk to us about how Streets is Gold got put together okay um Sadauda is probably one of the most talented artists Nigeria has ever seen. In a few years, people understand why I'm saying this. You and Focus, Focus has also said that we don't even know what we have in what we, you know, he, this guy can do. Like nobody is ready. Um, so um, I met Sadada through um Arami Day. I think that was 2012, and then we got in the studio. And first song we ever made was Sisi Oloja, and it, it just clicked like that. And then we've been working uh since then for Streets is Gold. Um, I got back. To, I came back at this was 2016, summer 2016. And so I got with Toby. We hadn't made music in a while. So we made a bunch of, of songs. And then um, Street Six Gold was one of those songs where we have a very weird um, work di- dynamic because most of the time he has, in, let's say, like 50% or 60% of the song. And then it's like, guy, man, let me play this song. And then he plays it on his guitar. And then we start to build the idea of the song before we even get in the studio. So by the time we go in the studio, particularly for Streets is Gold, that day I was doing something with um, Rex from Pink Code. He was in the studio. Rex is featured on that song as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I was doing something with him and then Toby came in and was like, okay, let's work on this. And then we started and Rex started humming some stuff in the background. And Sadat was like, wait, 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 wait. I beg, I beg, what's that thing you were humming? And as soon as he heard it, you know, he told Rex to get on the mic and put that down because he really wanted to create this um, pan-Nigerian type record. If you listen towards the end of the song, there's some house on it as well. So um, that was the original idea of the song. And then coincidentally, quote-unquote, everything just came together. I love, 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 love that song. I wanted to touch back on something that you mentioned. So you decided to go to uni to go and study information technology. A lot of times you hear people say that sometimes if you take time off, people come and take your space, you know, you become irrelevant, yada, yada, yada. Did you struggle with that feeling that if I leave and go to school, you know, I become irrelevant? Or were you were you sure that you were making the right decision to pursue your education to another level? And when you come back, you would still be relevant even more than ever. I wouldn't say I was worried, but it, it was a thing. It was on my mind. And basically, I, I was using myself as a guinea pig. But then one of the reasons I, would, I wasn't worried at all was because I, I believe that um, what's for you is for you. Your life journey is, is not a mistake. So if, if God puts you on a particular path, even if it seems like you're kind of going away from what people expect you to do. Because I had people telling me, like, I mean, my first, my biggest placements came the year I left. A lot of people were telling me, like, guy, do you think he's wise? Should you go? You know, see, your career don't they pick small, small. You know, sure, say, you know, go just defer this admission, just the one year, just solidify. But then, one, I understand why they were saying that. But two, I know that I would make it with or without big names. As a, as a matter of fact, my what I would count as a big win as a producer is if I'm able to be one of the biggest reasons why an artist blows up, you know. So uh, um, with that, I just told myself, look, it's not like I, I'm the reason I was going to school is not that 
reason people always give you no just go and have your plan b so that in case this thing no work it was not a plan b i just needed the isolation for a while because i needed to develop my work ethic and i really needed to develop what i wanted to to do with my career so um first two years 2013 to 2015 was it was pretty dry i didn't have in fact the whole of 2013 and 2014 i think i didn't have one placement at all but then you know 2015 got back put in some work and then 2016 looked a lot better 2017 even much better so um so uh, um this is proof that if you follow god's leading for your life he take care of all those things you don't really need to worry about if you are going to fall off if you have the juice you have the juice that's what it is really mm-hmm. you got the juice you got the juice <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, li- I like that i like that now um you have this thing called sizzle saturdays yes was that a way for you to ensure that did your research sorry i said you did your research and i also honestly used to listen to it so that's why i know about it pop i'm doing research thank you very much for listening oh no no yeah so was that a way for you to ensure that you were still your your hands i mean your hands or feet were still wet in the industry no 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 what what was the purpose behind sizzle saturdays well um the the first time we started sizzle saturdays we've started and stopped two times i apologize to people somehow we're going to bring that back um the first motivation was i I was still in bauchi at the time um and then um that year a lot of producers started to pick days Kanye West started with good fridays and then um Timberland was Timbo Thursdays, and I think somebody else was on Tuesdays. I think it was Swiss Beats or something. I can't remember. And then back then, we used to make music so quickly. Like, we were so fast back then. And then uh, one of my friends was like, you should pick your own day of the year as well. And I was like, eh, why not? Because we could make music so quickly then, and then a lot of music used to waste that time. So we just figured okay, let's start to do it. You know, I was dragging my feet and my friend, that friend I'm talking about, Dami, Fusion 87, shout out. One day he just came to Joss and he just told me, guy, we have to start today. We have to start. I'm like, eh, I've not, me, I have not. He said, guy, we must do it. So our first ever season Saturdays, the beat was not original because Dami forced me to do it on a Saturday, the 16th of April, 2011. I can never forget and then uh, we did that, we recorded it, and then we put it out, you know, not really knowing what the response was going to be. But then we're like, okay, let's do it. And we're at our most consistent. I think in 2011, we put out at least 30 songs or so. And then 2012, we put out a little, we stopped. I started again in 2016, put out like 20 something songs, then stopped again. I have a lot of work to do. So we'll figure out a way to make sure we do this and then meet the demand of people who want to listen but basically it was the biggest motivation is we want to i want to use it as a creative outlet because um working in in the industry sometimes a lot of the times what happens is the variety of sound that comes out of a producer is dictated by the artist so if i have so many artists coming to me only for afro pop music a lot of the hip hop music i'm making a lot of the r&b a lot of the rock i'll be making you probably won't hear them so um Sizzle saturdays is a creative outlet where we're going to try to you know do the music as musically as possible 
you know, some of the stuff that labels might be afraid to push out and put money behind and promote, you know, we'll put it out through that channel. I, I believe that there are people who want to listen to the music that is not necessarily pop music, you know, the soul listeners, the rock listeners, the hip-hop listeners, and I want to be able to use um, um, Sizzle Saturdays to kind of to refresh those people's playlists so they, they don't have to listen to that kind of music from people abroad. I want them to know that there are people in Nigeria that would also do that kind of music and, you know, add the Nigerian uh, flavor to it. That's very cool. Thank you for sharing that. I think it was just important to me that I did ask you about that. Now, before we go on to the fun random questions, I wanted to ask you, what are the challenges that you have faced as a music producer in the Nigerian music industry? I'm sure those challenges are consistent across the board for other Nigerian music producers, but there may be some that you know you feel like are important that you like to talk more about. Okay, um, I think... The, the biggest challenge is producers have to bend to what is hot. So um, if, if a producer just wants to be producing rock music, hungry go kill him for this country. So <laughs> it's the truth. So um, producers who don't want to be versatile are forced to be versatile. You know, I didn't come from an Afropop background. So when I actually started making music, I kind of was like a purist, you know, trying to make it on that quote-unquote international level. But then getting into the industry, nobody wanted those songs. Nobody wanted those beats. You know, they would just listen to it and just say, ah, guy, you good, though. But guy, say, you know, go knock this one. Make it day like uh, like Damiduro. Make the drum, they come out well, well. And then you keep doing that. The next artist comes. He wants, hey, you don't hear that race song. Hey, knock him like that. The next artist comes. The next artist comes. And before you know it, the music that you really love to do, you stop making that music. You know, I've I've sat with a couple of producers, you know. I can remember one time I, I, was, I was talking with Young D. And he was saying, ah, the time when it starts. Now hip hop in the make, oh. But one time, he just tell himself, see, man, hip-hop know they bring hit songs, so making just they make this one. I've seen Sars tweet before saying, like, everybody keeps shouting that he should be making hip-hop beats, that he'll stop making hip-hop beats because nobody buys those beats, you know? So it's a big challenge that producers can't fully express themselves creatively because the market is only buying one type of music. And to be honest, producers are human beings. They live by bread sometimes, so then you know that they need to make some money. So that's a big challenge. I hope we can contribute to widening the industry so that people who just want to do other styles of music, you know, will be able to eat as well. Another challenge is... Um, but before you, before you go on, Susan, I wanted to ask, but there's some producers who have been able to... Not saying that they're going to force their sound or their experimentation on an artist, but somehow they've been able to ensure that they're not necessarily conforming to what is trendy at the time. As I feel like it, it is possible for producers to, yes, make the songs that people are going to buy, but at the same time still, you know that you're coming to a producer like Sizzle. You know that you coming to Sizzle, you know why you're coming. Mm -hmm. You're not just coming to come and be playing Ten Ten. So if you're going to come to Sizzle, you know that what Sizzle is going to give to you. Yeah. You're not coming to Nata telling Sizzle that, give me, like you said, Dami Duro. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So I feel like sometimes producers can not that they're going to say, if you come to me, I can't experiment or whatever. But at least you know that you come into Sizzle as a brand and as a sound, you know why you are coming to work with Sizzle. I think um, that has become inevitable for successful producers to kind of um, 
I wouldn't say dictate, but to have a strong hand in contributing to what the sound of the artist is. The producers that I look up to, from um, Timbaland to Pharrell to um, Mark Ronson, in fact, particularly Timbaland and Pharrell, they have very distinct sounds. Obviously, people coming to them know what they're coming for, but in the Nigerian context, I, I think it's important for producers to try and be um, versatile. It really is so that you 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 don't look lost when an artist comes to you because actually in Nigeria the way an artist comes to you it's not always based off of what they know you can give them it's not always like that ideally you know for me life has been a little easy cuz i get a lot of uh, artists looking for alternative music because um, the most popular music i've made has been alternative music so uh it's when they come to work and they say okay i can do some Afropop, I can do some hip-hop as well. And then they might want to dabble into that. But then, one, I think a producer should try to be as versatile as possible and put out as many varieties of music so that in the Nigerian context where people are not very... Oh, you want to produce a rock song, go and make this guy. You want to produce a hip-hop song, go and make this guy. It That happens, but I don't think it happens the way it happens in more um, developed countries. So a producer should be versatile. Then, two... A producer should not be a yes man. Most of the times where people told me, eh, I won't make you knock this kind of song, I usually try to reason with them and say, okay, look, we can do it like this. And um, I've been fortunate to work with a lot of artists that want to push the envelope. I'm not just, I'm not a photocopying machine where you come and tell me, photocopy this Mr. Easy's beat, then I photocopy and give you. So I, I try, but then bigger than that, one has to, you know, try to balance out really where... You're like, okay, this is what the artist wants. Can I give the artist what they want in a different way? And the artist is still happy. So I guess that's that's the way to go around that issue. And then what about when it comes to, you hear a lot of producers talking about enforcing, I guess their inability sometimes to enforce royalties and split sheets because the industry is not as developed. That was the second challenge I was going to bring up. Okay, yeah, so speak on that then. Um, It's, it's a real issue because... um everybody shouts on social media producers are not respected enough they don't get their just due and i don't think anything is more true than that if i start to tell you records that i've made that i've been part of that i've worked on that number one i didn't get a single dime for talk more of uh royalties and um, getting your publishing right there are a lot of those songs out there so it, it it's a big issue because Producers, you make a lot of music for people. You see the artists go on to make millions of Naira endorsements and all that. And even the things that are just due to you. You know, I, I, I really don't want handouts. So if I make music for you and you blow, don't buy me a car. Just sign these split sheets. That's what is important. The split sheets, that's what is due me. It's my intellectual property. So don't dash me money. Don't buy me a phone. I don't want. Just sign the papers because that's what to, you know, put food on my table, you know. So it's, it's a real issue. But then again, I believe things are getting better because uh, I would say producers are getting smarter and the industry is beginning to kind of look out for producers a little bit now. It hasn't made any substantial progress yet, 
but but now you know management is beginning to be a bit more serious about you know making sure that artists songwriters and producers sign those split sheets and you know they make sure that whoever is due what gets their just due i believe that if the system will not step up and defend producers the responsibility falls on producers don't give out your music if they don't pay if they if they don't pay and they come and shit on you later, don't complain. Lock up. You are the cause of your problems. You know. So I believe that if we if we as producers can you know agree to not give out free music, will the artists produce the music by themselves? They won't. You understand. The problem is when we now agree. If we we even agree. Yeah, if I even agree, as people say, there will not be defectors. I'm telling you. So so I just believe that at the end of the day, personal responsibility is 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 very important. You know, for me, I've not all the way protected myself. You know, but I've tried to you know be as firm as I can in my dealings. Where you know, look, I will not do your work if my money is ten thousand naira short. Like try there days like go broke and hungry because I'm trying to you know put my integrity foremost and all. But I believe that that's just me paying it forward, and uh, hopefully we would be able to do more for the guys coming after us to be able to you know the least you can get is what you deserve is the work that you did now. You know, so I hope that we can you know put a few bricks on. Uh, on the wall and then hope that things get better for the guys coming behind let's move on to the fun random questions okay you ready i'm ready my first question is what is your favorite item to cook ah i'm a pretty good cook for a boy so i don't have a favorite item but i would say f4 euro it's really my f4 euro is pretty good. wow that's cool we should be we need to become besties though because i don't like to cook <laughs> so yeah a friend for food <laughs> as in all right so my second question is what are the advantages and disadvantages of being your height or of having your height um the advantages is i don't have to hit i won't hit my head when i'm trying to enter somewhere i have this tall friend you need to see how he gets out of the car it's ridiculous he has to come out with his butt first i'm grateful i'm not that tall two i'm of average height so my height doesn't really particularly work with the girls like that so if i could get like three more inches or four then maybe i'll be a sleep upper maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish I could give you some of mine, but you know, it is what it is. Oh, you actually sound like a tall person. Are you serious? Yeah. You sound like a tall person. What does that even mean? Yeah, what? 6'1", six, 6'2". Six, no, I'm 5'10". Five, 5'10". Five, oh, okay. Yeah. That's tall for a girl, though. Yeah, I'm quite tall. Yeah, but don't worry. You go there, right? <laughs> Look, I was about to give you some of my heart. You're busy insulting me. All right, I keep mine for myself. <laughs> my third question is... Like you said, you are a foodie. So I wanted to ask you, what are your favorite places that you have eaten at in Nigeria so far? In Nigeria? Um, or maybe in Jos, if you want to do Jos. Um, let me see. I'll try to pick. Okay, in Abuja, I love Yahuza. Fantastic. Every time I have Abuja, I always do Yahuza. Then in Jos, um, there's a place called Shaoma Grills. They make the best Shaoma on the planet. Nobody should call me argue with your slippers then um i need to come to just then <laughs> you shouldn't you shouldn't the weather is fantastic as well um in just there's one place one coral called alheri in dogundusi yes i go there all the time 
And then um, in Lagos, I would like to see Olaya. I'd like to see Olaya. In Surle, Olaya is really popular. You said five, yeah? No, I just said favorite. Oh, okay, okay. So, okay, so three is, is fine. Yahuza in Abuja. Shaoma Grills in Joss and Olaya in Lagos. Okay. Have you been to um White House in Surulere? In Yaba. I haven't. Yep, sorry. Yaba. I haven't, but I'll try and go there when I get back to Lagos. Yeah, I tried it like, um, I tried it, when I tried it, like five years ago, five, is this six years ago? Yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> you see, that's, that's how you want to say that it wasn't really all that, but you're being politically correct. <laughs> no, I think, no, I just, okay, let me, okay, I just, I didn't know that it was in Mamaput. They kept saying, let's go to White House. And I thought maybe it was like a restaurant. Do you understand? Oh, all you bougie IJGBs. <laughs> I was like, okay, I want to go to White House too. I'm like, I want to go. I want to go. You know? And I got there. Were you thinking it was something like White Castle or something? I I thought so. I, I, I just, honestly, all I just knew was that I thought it was like <laughs> a restaurant. And I got there. <laughs> Imagine going to White Castle and there's Amala there. You know, they, they were eating Amala and I was like, they were like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah. They're like, so what, what are you going to eat? I was like, I don't want to seem like, you know, I'm being too bougie, you know. So I just ended up having like, I think I had like white rice and stew and that was it, you know. So You were bougie. <laughs> Let me just move along. <laughs> My fourth question is, who's your favorite superhero? For some reason, I never really was on superheroes like that. But right off the bat, I would say Tony Stark. Uh. And I'm not saying Iron Man. I'm saying Tony Stark because he's, he's, he has my brand of arrogance. <laughs> I like it. And he's so sarky too. He's so sarcastic. Yeah. That's a good choice. That's a good choice. And then my final question is, are you usually late, early, or on time? I'm usually late. I'm, my goodness. I'm usually late. Late on everything. I miss deadlines like... I had to call. I'm so sorry. I had to beg people so many times, but I'm usually late. But I'm working on that. Yeah, I think it's a producer in you, so you know we'll always let that slide because you people just like to be late. No, but to my defense, I am more punctual than most of the producers I know. You know, I have people tell me, say you are even better than other producers. I'm like, yes, thank God. <laughs> Okay, so before I let you go, can you tell us what to expect from you? Um, we're trying to make sure all the music we've been working on since um, 2017 and 2016 and 2015, we're trying to make sure that you hear those songs this year. Now, I can't jump out the window and start telling you what to expect. Of course. Because sometimes you think some music is going to go out and they eventually don't go out. But then we're going to be putting out a lot of uh, music. Um, one other thing to expect is um, I really, last year, I really wanted to do quite a bit of stuff for um, up-and-coming artists as an up-and-coming producer. And obviously, I can't produce for as many people as I want. So I put out a call to get 10 artists that I was going to A&R their projects for free this year. So I know a number of those projects are, are, are going to come out this year, but I'm hoping that all of them do come out. So that's one of my highlights, you know, being able to just A&R projects so artists can see the value of an ANR and maybe think about investing in an ANR going forward. The SNC podcast is produced by Fola Shade Anozier and Tommy Wafaomi. To ensure that you do not miss out on subsequent episodes, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Mixcloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. So that's T H E S N C P O D C A S T. 
We are also active on Twitter and Instagram at the same name. Alternatively, I am on Twitter at Shade Nonconform. Till next week, cheers.